When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is college kicker Bert Auburn, and you're listening to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast hosted by Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much. Hello, welcome to War Horses. Uh, this is your host, Auburn Elvis. Um, you know, I want to share a little bit about the story of uh, why the opening message was from a football player. A couple of weeks back, I went out on Open Doors and I was looking around at some equestrian athletes that might be interested in recording a simple little intro for the podcast here. And so I sent out a handful of inquiries to, you know, various riders of various schools, and all of them sort of kind of, you know, had a response of, <laughs> So uh, I was looking around and I saw that Texas kicker Burt Auburn has an open doors account and i figured hey this kid is popular right now because he's got his last name uh he almost beat alabama and so i contact him and i say hey you willing to do this silly little opening for this podcast you don't listen to and he was he was open to it so and even if you writers out there maybe you don't want to record an intro for the podcast that's cool with me I'm not going to let that stop me from getting some cool intros for the podcast. Uh, it's basically, it's like that parable in the Bible where the rich man was throwing that wedding and then uh, a bunch of people didn't show up. So he just went out in the street and started grabbing people and saying, hey, you're going to come. Well, that's how it is with these uh, intros. You know, I would love to have equestrian riders, but if nobody's interested, that's t- totally cool. There are college athletes out there willing to make a quick 10 bucks. And yeah, that's basically what I'm paying. So it doesn't have to be college equestrian athletes. Maybe I'll get a gymnast or two. We'll see. Uh, I mean, I wear an Elvis costume to equestrian meet, so it's pretty obvious that I don't mind mixing cultures just to have a little bit of fun. So one way or the other, you know, Auburn Elvis finds a way. And now we're going to talk about some college equestrian. Now, last week, I made all of y'all wait, uh, at least all the Auburn fans, wait till the end of the episode before I started talking about Auburn. Well, this week, I'm going to be nice to all of y'all, and we're going to deal with the Tigers right out of the gate here. So let's get started. Um, Basically, the meet of the week was Auburn at Georgia, and I actually went to this meet. Nice weather. Now, Georgia always puts on a show out there. They got a nice little farm over there in Bishop, and, you know, the seating was full of spectators. So a lot of people there enjoying the day. Another thing is uh, these two schools, they always like to have this meet the day before the football game that uh, also between these two schools. And I really like that tradition because it gives the visiting fan base something to do with the other team's campus, which sometimes when you're visiting these uh, away football games, you know, there isn't a lot to do. So um, now also, if you'll recall in my preview, I thought this one was going to be pretty evenly matched, but I thought Georgia would win by about one or two points. When I looked at the matchups that had come out that morning, I did my projections, and basically it looked pretty favorable for the most part for Auburn in uh, fences, flat, horsemanship, and then the Bulldogs looked to have the advantage in reigning. I thought Auburn would have, you know, about a three to two or something like that, maybe three to one advantages in, in fences and horsemanship, and maybe about the same in, in on the flat, but I really thought Georgia was going to get at least three points or more in reigning. Now, a lot of this was based on uh, the fact that Auburn had a lot of unknowns uh, with losing some of their roster to attrition 
And uh, in, in hindsight, maybe I also gave Georgia's Rainers a little too much credit because they didn't do super well against Baylor. And I thought a lot of that was just because Baylor's reigning team was really good. But it might also be that maybe Georgia's Rainers got, you know, a little bit of inconsistency that they're still trying to work out. So, uh, and frankly, Auburn knows a lot about that. So uh, it was a little up in the air as to what was going to happen in reigning. So here's what actually did happen. The meet started off with fences and horsemanship, which figured to be Auburn's two best events. Now, last year when Auburn visited Georgia, the Bulldogs rode just lights out and they stifled Auburn in these two events. Well, actually every event. Now, on Friday, though, Auburn won fences 3-2 to two, with Ava Stearns, Emma Kurtz, and Ellie Ferrigno getting some points. And uh, Ferrigno was actually the MOP in this event, so good job to her. Now, over on horsemanship, Auburn again, they won this 3-2. to two. Newcomer Alexia Tordoff got her point, followed by Maddie Spack and Madison Pardoon. And Alexia was the dang MOP in this one, so that's her very first college ride, and she ends up not only winning her point, but also being the best rider of the day. So nothing like hitting the ground running, I guess. Um, so at the half, Auburn had a 6-4 to four lead, but all of these scores had been pretty close. Uh, each matchup, you know, if something had gone a little differently here or there, if a rider had maybe made a little bit of a, a change in the way she did her pattern or something, then Georgia could have easily been up 6-4 to four instead of down 6-4. to four. Another thing, even though Auburn had the lead, reigning was still left out there, and there are a lot of question marks, so there was a very real chance that this score might not hold up. So on we go into the second half. Equitation on the flat uh, was the one that got going first, and we saw each team basically go back and forth here. Georgia would get a point, Auburn would get a point, Georgia get a point, Auburn get a point, and there was actually also a tie in here, uh, Ellie Ferrigno from Auburn and um, Jordan Turing from Georgia. And this was actually kind of significant that they ended up having a no-point tie because uh, Turing actually has a, a better record historically by the numbers. And so by Auburn's Ferrigno basically turning that into a no-point tie, that denied a point to Georgia that they would probably normal normally count on getting. So a little bit of a shout out there um, uh, uh, to Ferrigno. Also, I'll, I'll call out uh, Georgia's uh, Nora Andrews, who won the MOP in this event. So good job to her. So on we go to reigning, where again Auburn only needs two points to win the day because of that tie. First person to first team to ten is going to win. Uh, but then the drama really wasn't there in this one because Auburn ended up winning the first two points of the event. So at that point, you know, uh, Boo Camaro she got the uh, first point. Isabella Tesmer got her point right after that, and then the meet was over. Now there was still riding to do. Uh, Georgia's uh, Courtney Bloomer and Reagan Shepard, they each won their points. Uh, Reagan Shepard also had the MOP, so good job to her. And then in the last ride of the day, Auburn's Kate Buchanan uh, won her matchup, putting the exclamation point on the victory. So when we step back and look at this win, this is actually something that both teams can take away a lot of positives from this and be encouraged. Auburn obviously probably has a few more encouraging things to look at because they did win and it was on the road, but Georgia was right there with them all day. And you could really tell that if things had been a little different here or there, um, this easily could have been a Georgia win. So right now, as things sit, whenever wherever you would place Auburn in the top team rankings, you would probably still put Georgia right next to them. So moving right along to the next meet we had that Friday, Sweetberg, Sweetberg at Lynchbriar. 
Sweetbriar at Lynchburg. Um, now, if this is your first time ever listening to the show, uh, one thing you need to know is that these are two single discipline teams. They only ride the jump and seat events. Okay, that's the fan- fancy English riding. And uh, in teams that only ride single discipline, these are the two best teams in the nation. Sweetbriar has historically been the perennial leader of the pack, but recently Lynchburg upset them in the national championship back in April. Now, this is the first rematch between these two teams since then, and going in, I predicted that Sweetbriar was going to win. So let's take a look and see if that actually happened. The first event was Equitation on the Flat, and Sweetbriar took that 3-2, to two, led by a friend of the podcast, Casey Freeberg, who was the MOP of that event. Good job. Uh, and so at the half, Sweetbriar was in control. But just like in April, they would have to be wary of giving away too many points and fences to a very good uh, Lynchburg fences team. Now, back then, Lynchburg ended up winning fences 3-1, to one, and that was a 4-on-4 meet. This one was a 5-on-5, five five, and today, Lynchburg won it 4-1. to one. So, for all you Alabama fans who maybe need a little help with some math, that makes the final score Lynchburg 6, Sweetbriar 4. The Hornets remain number one in the nation. They are defending their national title, and they look like a legitimate force in equitation over fences. So good job to the Hornets. I did not pick you going into this one, and it looks like I need to re-examine my preconceptions. Now, also, there were some uh, some meets that got postponed. There was some storm damage that had happened up on the East Coast, and so there were three meets that were planned for this weekend over at Delaware State. Those have been postponed to this upcoming weekend, so I'm going to re- reiterate what um, I had said in those meet previews when we get to that section later on in the podcast. But moving right along, we still have another meet this weekend that we want to talk about, South Carolina going on the road to Texas A&M. Now, the Gamecocks have looked really good so far this season. They are off to an excellent start. They went on the road to Delaware State. Uh, They beat the Hornets. Um, Also visiting Minnesota Crookston came in, and they beat them too. So uh, they defended their home turf against Baylor, uh, and and Baylor was pretty good. So beat them 11-8, to actually. So it was looking like Gamecocks, all right, they're good. They got a shot at maybe knocking off Texas A&M at Texas A&M. Also keep in mind that the Aggies did lose their opening meet at home to to TCU. So there was that opportunity. So let's see how it went. Things got started in Equitation on the Flat. I did not do a matchup preview of this because I kind of had stuff going on. But anyway, uh, Texas A&M won this one 3-2. to two. Devin H. Thomas got her point. Uh, Megan uh, Nealon got her point, And the MOP, Brooke Brombaugh, also got her point as well. So nice way to start the meet off for the Aggies. After that, they did raining. And here's where the wheels really fell off for South Carolina. You remember how I talked about how we didn't know if Baylor really had a good rainy squad or if they had just kind of run into a Georgia rainy squad that wasn't super great? Well, now we can kind of ask that exact same question about Baylor versus South Carolina because South Carolina got swept 5 to nothing by Texas A&M on Saturdays. Okay, I'm going to read off a whole bunch of Aggie names because every one of them got some points here. We got Kisa Lures, Lauren Hansen, we got Lisa Bricker, Ariana Gray, and Emmy Lou Marsh. Emmy Lou Marsh also was the MOP. Um, and you know what? The heck with I'm also going to re- read off Hannah Olasson. She wrote an exhibition, but it's a good thing that it, for South Carolina that it was only an exhibition because she outrode the other girl for South Carolina. So if that exhibition had been for real, that would have been one more point. They would have swept them six to nothing in this event. So, wow. The reigning squad for Texas A&M really dominated uh, South Carolina. But the meet wasn't even done. It was just halftime. Texas A&M was up 8-2, to two, and it's very difficult to come back from that kind of a deficit. 
Then horsemanship started up and proved that there was not going to be any kind of a, of a comeback. A&M took horsemanship 4-1 to one and just closed the door on the meet. Uh, so yeah, now I got to read a whole bunch of other Texas A&M names here. We have Hannah uh, Olesson. We've got Ella Petak, Corey Kansdell, Millie Anderson, all of them getting points with Anderson getting the MOP. So, and you know what? I'm actually going to give a shout out to South Carolina's Carly Jenkins because she got her point and dang it, she prevented another sweep. So good job, Carly. So with the meet decided, we still had one more event to go, equitation over fences. Now, this is where South Carolina made a little bit of a rally. Uh, the Gamecocks won this event 3-2. to two, So shout out to Jordan Allen, Madeline Schaefer, and Natalie Jane for taking home the majority of points for their side. Although in this one, A&M still had the MOP ride with Morgan uh, Rosia uh, on the other side there. So yeah, A&M dominated this whole meet. They won all four MOPs. Uh, they didn't win the majority of points in every event, but they dominated the Western ones so much that it didn't really matter. Now, the main takeaway of what you can get out of this meet is that A&M seems to have gotten into the groove. They have put that opening week loss behind them. And this is, you know, still not a terrible, terrible situation for South Carolina. They started off really well for the season, but it does show that, okay, there's still a good amount of distance between them and the teams that are at the top of the rankings, at least when they go on the road. At home, it might be different. So with those out of the way, let's take a short break, and then we're going to come back, and I will give you my impressions of where I think the major teams stack up in the national picture, and then we will do the meet previews for next week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we're three weeks into the season now, and we've had most every team riding in competition. So we can actually start to look around and start making some evaluations on just how good these teams are. Now, based on the results we've seen, it looks like there is either a group of four teams at the top and then another group of five teams that are a little bit of a distance below them. Or there is a group of six teams at the top with a smaller group of about three teams some distance below them. And I'll tell you, I feel like it's that six-team, three-team situation where these top six teams on any given day, they could beat one another and they could make a case for being the best team in the nation that day. And those teams in no particular order are Oklahoma State, Auburn, SMU, TCU, Texas A&M, and Georgia. Now, the three teams that I would bunch up right below them would be South Carolina, Baylor, and Fresno State. And that's the way things look to me right now. But I will say that it is possible that Auburn and Georgia might not be in that top group of six, but rather they might belong in that lower group down there and making that into a group of five. Uh, I don't think that's the case, but I'm just throwing it out there because we haven't really seen enough meets to 100% know how it all breaks out. But eventually we will know for sure because we're going to have more meets coming up. And speaking of those meets, let's do our meet previews for this upcoming weekend. Now, as we said before, we had some postponements last week, so I'm going to cover those again real quickly. TCU versus UT Martin. Like I said, the Horned Frogs are in this one. I like them. Uh, I liked them before. I still like them. I think they're going to win this one pretty comfortably. Now, there is that chance that UT Martin could pull the upset, 
I just I just don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> In fact, I'm kind of sure it won't, which is why I predicted them, because that's how predictions work, y'all. Moving right along. TCU at Delaware State. Again, I think TCU is going to win this one. They just look too solid right now. They've got too much talent, and Delaware State just does not have the talent that TCU does. And I'm predict- predicting TCU wins, and this is a pretty easy one to make. UT Martin at Delaware State. So here we have one that should be kind of close. I think UT Martin is probably going to win, but Delaware State may surprise us. It's a home meet, so that's going to give them a little bit of an advantage. But like I said, the odds of of this one probably favor UT Martin. In fact, uh, when this podcast is released, because again, I'm a little bit behind schedule on getting this particular podcast out, some of these meets may have already happened. So by the time you're listening to this, this may be uh, ancient history. Next, we have Auburn going on the road out to California facing UC Davis. Now, I think Auburn's going to win this one probably by a big margin. I'm sure the Aggies will be fired up to host Auburn, but the Tigers just have too much talent to lose, in my opinion. The next meet is Minnesota Crookston at South Dakota State. Uh, I kind of think the Jackrabbits are going to win this one. It's at home for them. Minnesota Crookston didn't look particularly great on the road at Delaware State a couple of weeks ago, so um, I I just don't feel super comfortable about picking the Golden Eagles here. Uh, But like I said previously, this could be an upset. We'll just have to wait and see. Sweetbriar at Dartmouth. Okay, so Sweetbriar is coming off of a disappointing loss, but I can tell you that there is pretty much no way they are going to lose to Dartmouth. No disrespect to the Big Green, but you are not in the same class historically as Sweetbriar is, and they are going to be looking to clean up some of the mistakes that they made, particularly over fences, and I think Sweetbriar will win this one convincingly. They might even sweep y'all in equitation on the flat, so sorry that I had to be the bearer of bad news. Next, we have Baylor at Oklahoma State. So here's where we're going to see just how good Baylor's reigning team really is. Uh, In fact, we're going to see how good their whole team is because we know Oklahoma State is good. And even if they did lose that opening weekend to SMU, my guess is they are going to be focused and they're going to bounce back hard in this one. They're probably going to be too much to handle for visiting Bears, and I expect the Cowgirls to win this one. Next, we have Auburn going over to visit Fresno State. So They'll finish up that trip to UC Davis. They'll go on over to Fresno State. Now, this could be a sneaky trap meet for Auburn. Obviously, Auburn probably has more talent overall, but the last time the Tigers went out to Fresno State, the Bulldogs did surprisingly well, and they kept it close. Um, if they do a repeat of that on Saturday, then they there's a chance they could get the upset. And that is the final meet to look ahead to this weekend. Now, before we go, I also want to give a special shout out to the new NCEA team, the Berry College Vikings. The Vikings have had an IHSA equestrian team for some time now, and they just recently announced that they're going to be forming an NCEA team and that it will be a dual discipline team competing in the ECAC conference, along with teams like uh, UT Martin, SMU, uh, you know, uh, Minnesota Crooks and all those uh, all those teams. Welcome to the big time, uh, Vikings. We look forward to see you competing. And, you know, I think this is pretty cool personally because it's actually located, Barry is pretty close to where I live, so that'll make it easier for me to go see some of their meets. We'll see. So, yeah, well, we are three weeks into the season. Things are getting very exciting. There's been lots of different storylines going on already. Uh, Lots of different teams have things on their resume that they can point to and do a little bit of bragging, and that is what you want to see. You want to see a nice, healthy sport with lots of teams going out there, building lots of drama and excitement each week as we go to see who the best is that day. 
Well, that's all for this episode. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening and War Horses. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.